You're listening to Immersed. I'm Suzanne Zinsley. And I'm Chris Zinsley. This time we're going to learn about the origins of some of the best tea in the world in Ceylon. The game Ceylon is designed by hang on, uh, Suzanne and Chris Zinsley. Huh. Uh, how about that? Weird. How about that? Easy. Right. So Ceylon is a game designed by us. So this is going to be a bonus episode of Immersed. We're releasing this brief, special episode outside of our normal schedule, because our game Ceylon is going to be shown in North America for the first time at the Gen Con 2019 convention this coming week. The game was originally published by Ludanova and released last year at the Spiel convention in Essen, Germany. Now it's getting a North American release from Asmodee. The path that the game took has some unexpected parallels with the history of its setting. That was a surprise, even to us. Our guide to the history of Ceylon will be Jane Broomhead. She works with Ludanova, and she oversees international translations and communications for the publisher. She also helps with playtesting and does various other jobs for the company. And uh, in the case of Ceylon, I was kind of involved right from, right from the beginning, really. Right from the word go, when the game first came into their hands. In a lot of ways, Jane took the lead in transforming the game that we signed with Ludanova. Her experiences and her research deeply informed the game and its design. Working with the team at Ludanova was a two-year process of development, and it took us in directions that we didn't anticipate. When we first signed the game with Ludanova in 2016, Ceylon wasn't Ceylon. It was originally set during the Ottoman Empire. The team at Ludanova wanted to find a new theme that was a bit more unique, something appealing and accessible to a wide range of players. As it turned out, Jane was the perfect person for the job. So we were having this conversation and uh, the idea of perhaps this game could possibly work with the idea of tea um, naturally perhaps came to me being an English lady. But um, I actually had the wonderful experience about mm, 17 years ago. I'm a, I'm a teacher and so I was teaching in a in a a tea garden near Darjeeling, it, right at the very top of a tea garden. I lived in a uh, in West Bengal, after, just after university, just before starting a teaching career. I went and moved to, to to India for six months, just over six months. It was fantastic, and naturally the game seemed to. That I thought that the mechanics of the game could could possibly fit with this with this idea. Working on the game that would become Ceylon gave Jane a chance to once again immerse herself in the world of tea. I became like a little bit of a geek and started to do quite a lot of research for the game with the idea of fitting this with the game that we were looking at at the time. And I, the more I looked into it, the more interested I got. She wanted to learn as much as possible about the tea industry in Ceylon, which is what the island of Sri Lanka was called when it was a British colony in the 1800s. She dug deep into the historical records. I was able to get hold of a lot of books online that were historical records of the of the time. Many of them that were, you know, had obviously been written on a typewriter, uh, which was fascinating. And I think the other element that was particularly interesting was that there were a lot of uh, actual tea manufacturers that are still going today that were developed at the time. 
one of its most famous brands uh, is Lipton, and that was it was started there. It started when uh, Thomas Lipton, uh, the founder of the of Lipton Tea, had visited the island right at the start of the tea the tea industry there. Jane even reached out to some of those tea companies directly to get even more background information. Even we didn't know the full extent of her research until we talked with her for this episode. So let's go back to the beginning. Oddly enough, the story of Ceylon tea begins with coffee. Sri Lanka at the time was exporting um, coffee all over the world. Uh, it was a British colony at the time in the, the 1800s. Unfortunately, they had the misfortune of being devastated by a, a fungal disease called coffee rust or a coffee, a coffee blight, a, a disease that very quickly it, it took hold and killed all of the coffee plantations over the island. And um, it was a, a, a pioneer man called James Taylor, not the folk singer, obviously, um, a different James Taylor, a Scot that had uh, happened to have uh, a certain amount of experience in the tea industry in India. However, he had lived in Ceylon um, in his youth. And so he took a full advantage of Ceylon's misfortune and decided that it probably had the perfect climate, the perfect rainfall, the perfect altitudes to grow tea. And really, he also knew that obviously these, these uh, the people who had these plantations were in dire straits. They had the infrastructure to transport coffee uh, around the island and also off the island. They had distribution already, already fairly set up to all over the world, really, to Europe and to America. Uh, and they knew that, that possibly that this could work. And so he built the first tea plantation. And from there, many other pioneers he brought over. Players of the game Ceylon take on the roles of some of those pioneers. You build plantations, harvest the tea, and ship it off to customers. That's a far cry from the game's old setting in the Ottoman Empire. In that original design, players would buy for influence across the empire and inside the imperial court. When you made a move, you would almost always be helping out the other players. You just wanted to make sure you weren't helping them too much. In the final game, anytime you take an action, you give the other players the opportunity to take an action. That means you play the game even on other players' turns. Despite the shift to Ceylon, a lot of the game's design, and especially what it feels like to play it, remained the same. Just like the switch that Sri Lanka made, from coffee to tea, we were able to use the game's underlying systems, to use its infrastructure, so to speak, as a basis for developing the new game. The British had already uh, set up all the railways and the train. I mean, the islands, for, is, it was quite small, so I think it already had railways and uh, ports, etc. Many of the, the coffee plantation routes had already been cleared by elephants on the island, and I think it was just a case of, of sort of redeveloping the, the roads, perhaps using the altitude a little bit more, building a little bit higher in, in certain regions, but... Uh, Yes, I think that most of the infrastructure was fairly set up at the time. It was just getting in the, the mines and the knowledge of tea as opposed to coffee. It really only shows up in the artwork, but adding the trains made it so we could joke that Ceylon is a train game. 
Another thing that factored into the game design was the geography of the island. If you've ever seen pictures of the tea fields in Sri Lanka, you'll know how beautiful its hills are. The tea grows on terraces along the rolling hillside. Those terraces also appear in the game. The elevation of each plantation determines what kind of tea it produces. The higher levels aren't as common, but they're the only spots on the board that produce the higher quality types of tea. I had known from, from visiting tea plantations in India and visiting their factories that the sort of funny element of this was that um, we actually lived uh, really high up in the mountains in the tea, in a tea garden that sold very pure Darjeeling tea. And when we visited uh, factories uh, on lower levels where where uh, they didn't have the the climate that they needed to grow under the, these perfect tea conditions that when they when they rolled and dried the tea they sold um, their tea the lower level kind of tea was often sold and shipped to the UK to be sold in tea bags <laughs> to the British um, and uh, I found this hilarious that the idea that um, we were kind of uh, drinking the the dregs of the of the factory the tea factories as they left the superior stuff to, to sell to themselves or to, to ship off in these fancy tea bags and tea chests that were uh, for the pure Darjeeling tea. Another important element of the Sri Lankan tea industry was new technology. Some significant developments were made during the switch from coffee. Part of the, the the process was that the technology of tea was was still very much developing. I mean, there were many industrial uh, level machines that hadn't been developed anywhere in the world, and many of these were developed in Sri Lanka. In fact. James Taylor himself uh, prided himself on having developed this tea rolling machine and being one of the first people to develop a, a, an industrial scale tea rolling machine that uh, he developed on the island of, of Sri Lanka and they developed tea dryers there and tea rollers that were then used all over very much to the to the benefit of you know the 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 all of the tea producers and manufacturers on the island. In the game, players can build up the island's technology, which benefits everyone. The technology action gets you a token that you can use like a wild action later on. You pay for it, and everyone else receives money. This action changed several times during the game's development. In the original design, it was called Charity. That made sense with the Ottoman Empire setting, but not so much with the industrial theme of Ceylon. In that early version, you would literally give away your money to the other players. We tested out a few different ways of divvying up the money between players, before settling on the final process. A few other things changed while the game was developed. Like movement. Just figuring out how players could move their pawns around the board was a lot more challenging than you'd think. In the early designs, players had two pawns for performing different actions. This got simplified to one pawn per player. Other aspects of the design remained largely the same throughout the process. Take the councillors. These are influential people on the island. They can give you special powers to make things easier. But they can also get you a lot of bonus points at the end of the game, if you've built plantations in their areas of the board. That aspect has been crucial to the design since the very beginning. Working with Ludanova was an extremely collaborative process. Ideas flew back and forth constantly. There were a lot of times when we had to figure out how to reconcile the designer's vision for the game, our vision, with the publisher's vision. At the start, our visions weren't the same. 
Ceylon and the Ottoman Empire are a world apart, or at least half a world. But we all worked to make the best game possible. Over the course of development, elements were added and cut over and over, getting closer and closer to the final design each time. The final published game has some absolutely gorgeous artwork from Laura Bevan and graphic design by David Prieto. It makes the box look like an old tea tin. It honestly blew us away. It's beautiful. It's such a beautiful game. You know, few games come off so well. I think, especially that that the the gold paint and the and the the, the wear and tear on the box. It's just it's just beautiful. I just when we got it, I was just I, I think it, it it outlived my expectations, and my expectations I think were pretty high. <laughs> Same. Same. Immersed is produced by Cardboard Edison. Find out more about the show, our games, and everything else we do with board game design at CardboardEdison.com. And check out Ceylon at Gen Con this August. Look for Asthma Day. Very special thanks to this episode go to our guest, Jane Broomhead. Editing assistance by Eric Booth. Music credits are available in the show notes. Cardboard Edison is backed by our patrons on Patreon. Help us support the game design community by becoming one of our patrons. You can listen to episodes before they officially release, and you can hear an extended interview with our guest, Jane Broomhead, only by supporting Cardboard Edison at patreon.com slash cardboardedison. I'm Suzanne Zinsley. And I'm Chris Zinsley. And join us next time as we become immersed in another game. Immersed is also sponsored by Haba USA Games, German design and quality, children's and family games that adults enjoy playing. Home of Rhino Hero, Karuba, and Animal Upon Animal. Learn more at HabaUSA.com. Smirk and Dagger Games, makers of emotionally engaging, immersive, highly thematic games that create a stir. Find out more at SmirkandDagger.com. Van Ryder Games presents... Graphic Novel Adventures, a new line of gamebooks where you are the hero. Graphic Novel Adventures, your choices, your adventure, your story. Visit VanRiderGames.com. Formal Ferret Games, publisher of The Networks, Bad Medicine, Wordsy, and the upcoming High Rise. Go to FormalFerretGames.com for more. Indie Boards and Cards, the maker of Coup, a dystopian social deduction game of assassination, deception, and elimination. Will you be the last one standing? Find out more at IndieBoardsAndCards.com. Brotherwise Games, makers of hit games Boss Monster, Unearth, and Call to Adventure. Brotherwise Games brings everyone to the table. Visit BrotherwiseGames.com. And... Breaking Games, from strategy games like Rise of Tribes, party games like We're Doomed, and family games like Sparkle Kitty, Breaking Games has something for everyone. The best way to break the ice is through play. Visit BreakingGames.com.